0: As live and underway here on ESPN Plus, alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Herc, how are you doing on what is episode 222 of this fine program? What are you wearing uh, I, out there?
1: I am good. I, I got a little something, a little pullover going on right now. Uh, where are you? Ooh,
0: I'm in the D.C. office. We just have a different backdrop here. It's not the usual green screen. It's D.C. at night. Ooh, very, very, very exciting times here in the nation's capital. Sounds still, safe. Still operating out of the same... uh Tape room slash closet, though. Don't worry. The budget hasn't been hasn't been blown out for my for my expense. All right, coming up in this show, Herc, the USA and Canada playing right now in the She Believes Cup. Just past the 90th minute, USA winning 2-0, about to go final. We will be, of course, uh, covering that. We've got a one-on-one interview with Kevin Paredes, young American, doing fine work right now at Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga, really starting to break through. We've got the latest on Julian Araujo. Looks like that move from the LA Galaxy to Barcelona... It's back on today, uh, Herc, so, so uh. that's some good news. We've got highlights from Liga MX. we got some coaching news linked to the U.S. men's national team job specifically, and by the way, the Football Américas podcast now has its own feed. What a moment, what a moment in show history. But let's start, Herc, with some huge news, massive, I mean, almost feels really like it needs a drum roll here. The United States, Mexico, and Canada will all automatically qualify for the 2026 World Cup. Of course, we did it, this long-rumored but finally confirmed by FIFA earlier this week. This, of course, being the first time that three nations will co-host the World Cup, so I guess there were some questions. These three spots, by the way, will be deducted from the six overall that CONCACAF gets. Reminder, this is the first-ever 48-team World Cup. Okay, Herc. So North America gets six spots. Three are going to the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Quick math. That leaves us three more spots. The question then becomes, who else from CONCACAF is going to the 2026 World Cup? Now, you left the homework to me on this one, right? I have to make the choices. Correct. And you just get to bash them.
1: Well, yeah, I will be (laughs) Sebi Salazar today.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, Very well. Okay. Here are my choices for teams One, two, and three, but effectively kind of what I'm thinking is four, five, and six right now in the CONCACAF pecking order. I'm going Jamaica, Costa Rica, and El Salvador to get the three spots for the 2026 World Cup. Shall we start with Jamaica, Hercules? Yes, sir. Shall we start with Jamaica? Now, part of this for me is stubbornness, okay? I know that's going to shock you. I picked Jamaica last time, and I feel like they let me down, right? I feel like like they let let me down. Okay. I, I, I picked Jamaica to go to the 2022 World Cup. Obviously, uh, it didn't work out. But there was some success, certainly late in qualifying. They actually finished six. So if we go off six spots gets you in, they were good enough last time around to qualify as one of the top six teams out of this region. The other thing, Herc, is we cannot deny the talent on the potential Jamaica roster, right? It's not always there. And they may recruit even more foreign uh, dual nationals, right? But when you can throw a guy like Mikel Antonio or Leon Bailey on a CONCACAF field, you're a legit threat, right? And then on top of that, if you go back to what has, since they last qualified for the World Cup in 1998, often been a knock, is kind of the reported disharmony within this Jamaican team. And actually, Herc, there's a Netflix documentary, Captains. I know you've seen this. Andre Blake features in it, right, as, as one of the captains of Jamaica. And there's a poignant scene in there where you can see the team getting ripped apart. Well, who's their manager now? It's the same manager that took Iceland to the 2018 World Cup. That was a big part of that Iceland team in 2016. What were those teams famous for? Being together, Herc. So the one problem with Jamaica, they seem to have solved and the with their managerial choice. I think Jamaica's good. What do you think? Safe bet for 2026?
1: It should be. Mm. And, and honestly, if I was doing the same exercise, they would be in there. My only okay. worry is if I could pick one team in of have to say underachieves time and time again, mm-hmm. it's Jamaica. When you look at Gold Cup, it's the U.S. or Mexico, right? When it's not, who has success in the Gold Cup? It's Jamaica. Yet when it comes to World Cup qualifying, when it comes to actually being a unified front, they've underachieved. That would be my only caveat there. But yes, if I'm doing this exercise with you, Jamaica's a shoein'.
0: Okay, also, we have to mention with Jamaica, the kids, right? We want to see those kids at the next World Cup. That You look good, you play good, all right? So I'm going, Jam- I'm going Jamaica. I'm also putting in Costa Rica. This one was a little bit tougher for me, Herc. But kind of like with Jamaica, if you've got some guys who are elite-level players in CONCACAF, it can be a huge difference-maker. It's certainly a huge difference-maker in goal for Costa Rica. And Keylor Navas, yes, he's not a spry young chicken anymore. 36. He's 36 right now. He'll be 39 for the next World Cup, but we know goalies age differently. I don't think it's... And by the way, it's a very motivated Keylor Navas. Now, this is a guy who went on a loan to Nottingham Forest from PSG. That, to me, tells me it's a guy who's not content to ride off into the sunset, right? We know he had offers from this side of the world. He chose to stay in that side of the world and continue to prove himself. He's going to be a huge part of Costa Rica for the next cycle, I believe. Beyond that, Herc, I'm betting on their consistency. The last six World Cups... They've missed once. I thought this past World Cup would be the one where kind of the old generation fell off. It didn't. They still were able to get the job done. I'm betting on Costa Rica here. Maybe it's a little bit nostalgia, but I still feel confident in the Ticos, what say you?
1: They had to go on a historic second-half run mm-hmm. in CONCACAF qualifying to make that or, World Cup. Or
0: you could say they, they could afford a terrible first-half run in qualifying and still manage to get in.
1: If you want. Now, you mentioned a goalkeeper, and that's all you mentioned. All right, let me read you off really quickly the starting lineup against uh, Germany, that 4-2 okay. game, which was crazy. You had Navas uh, over 30, Oviedo over 30, Duarte over 30, Waston mm-hmm. over 30, Vargas over 30, Fuller. Uh, leave Cafu-Fuller for a second off this. Uh, Borges over 30, Tejeda, uh, Aguilera, Campbell, who's 30 right now, and Benegas over 30. So uh, it's not the spryest of teams and the biggest okay. caveat here is Luis Fernando Suarez, the, the head coach here. But very interesting uh, sure. young group coming up, so. Yeah, I I have them in there as well.
0: Plus, who else is it going to be, right? Home field advantage, you think, of places that are tough to go. You know, Mexico, the U.S. have not just dropped points in Costa Rica. They've, like, gotten embarrassed in Costa Rica. So Costa Rica, tough place to play. I think that'll give them an edge. I also think that'll be an edge for the last team I'm picking, kind of my dark horse here. I was between, Herc, El Salvador and Curaçao. But I've just seen more from El Salvador. So I think they're going to grab that sixth and final spot out of CONCACAF. I'm betting big time here. On Hugo Perez. This is a vote of confidence on Hugo Perez. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: I think this is where you're wrong, and it's because of Hugo Ooh. Perez. Everything tells me that Hugo Perez is maybe looking for something bigger, something more consistent, something where they'll actually give him funds to work with, whether that be a club situation or elsewhere. And because we're betting on the man, Hugo Perez, here, I think something tempts him away. I, I think he's a saving grace for, for this program, and that's really... What, what keeps me from saying it's Hugo Perez and this national team in 2026, if he's there, yeah, for sure, absolutely. But because it's on him, no. And, uh, you mentioned Curaçao. Suriname is a very mm. interesting prospect. Aaron Vinter, who was with T- uh, TFC, if I mean, this team right now, with the amount of dual nets they could bring in if exactly. that actually applies um, because of Suriname's uh, government laws. But they've got a very interesting team, Sher- Geraldo Becker, uh, FC uh, Union obsessed Berlin. You're with
0: Suriname, huh? Dude, the guy's sudden. doing well. So. <laughs> All right, uh, so there you have it. I, I think El Salvador's a, uh, a pretty good bet there. And just imagine, Herc. You know how many Salvadorans are in the United States? Could you imagine El Salvador playing in the United States in the 2026 Ooh, World a Cup? going to DC. <laughs> home games, baby. No, remember, we don't have any home games in DC. <laughs> All right, more news here. USA and Mexico—they don't have to play qual- qualifiers, but they do have to play sometime. And it looks like they're going to play each other in a friendly. This according to reports out of Mexico. I think first was record. Game set for April in Arizona. Notably, it'll be played outside of a FIFA window, which means both rosters likely to be MLS and Liga MX dominant. So sad, so sad. We won't be seeing the European players hurt. USA and Mexico usually means the world. What about this game? Is it something, nothing or everything?
1: It's nothing in terms of expectations, in terms of expectaculo, espectáculo, in terms of uh, what it can give you, uh, just to the naked eye. Why? Well, it's MLS, U.S. Men's National Team, versus Mexico, Liga MX. Now, if you want to see the best versions of both, you're not going to see a lot of MLS players on the U.S. Men's National Team. In fact, uh, let's use the England game, for example. There was zero Major League Soccer players versus England. It was an all-European team. And if you want to look at... Mexico, on the flip side, the European players are few and far between versus Saudi Arabia, a must-win game. It was seven Liga MX players at the time. So it's a stark contrast in what you're going to get and what it actually means for the programs. That's why it's everything. But if I'm spending my hard-earned dollar, Mm. sure, it may be crest versus crest, but it's not actually the best versus the best.
0: Agreed agreed this is going to be what b team versus b team c team versus c team maybe i don't know i think it's more i think it's more b team versus c team okay who's b we getting mexico's and we're getting the us c team yikes yeah okay stadium holds about 70,000 how many think will show up cuz that's the real question right we can say it's i, I believe it's nothing but somebody I, will I show up you think sell it'll out. sell out i think it'll sell out wow. and now the one thing that cuz mexico F- fans F- will go see a molero the one U.S. Thing fans FMS, haven't proven well, that they're Molero fans yet. Well, they don't Did have you to. were Camp Games They don't, don't sell have out. to. You
1: didn't, you didn't ask if Major League Soccer fans or, or U.S. men's national team fans will fill this out or sell this out. You asked if it would sell out. Mm-hmm. Yes, because of the Mexican fans. FMF does a very good job of selling nostalgia. They do a very good job, the Mexican national here in the States, who's a resident, who's a citizen here in the States, of attracting that consumer because of the nostalgia because of the stark or the the strong mm-hmm. ties to their homeland and it's a party so this is why this is why these fans often go to the concentraciones the hotels where these players are at where the mexican national team is at knowing it's a c team or they should know it's a c team and ask where chucky lozano is at ask where raul <laughs> jimenez is at ask where chicharito's at this happens they sell and they sell
0: well and uh, you think ticket prices will reflect the fact that it's a, a bc team you oh you think it'll yeah. cut us a oh, break sure yeah yeah right yeah, that, I think that's what upsets me the most is, is that the ticket prices will still be like this is A versus A. And honestly, Herc, I'm really starting to get annoyed with these, these friendlies. This is not the first USA-Mexico friendly we've had. We don't need friendlies between these two teams. I know you always talk about the one in 2012 in Azteca because it had its historic significance to you. Well, that's
1: different because it was the Azteca.
0: It was different. It was different. Also, it was over a decade ago. With yeah. the amount that these two teams are playing now, we don't need these friendlies. Not only does it water down USA-Mexico, which is a great rivalry, it's going to water down everything else in that space, which is MLS versus Liga MX. This is just another version of that, and we're starting to see that in so many competitions, Herc. At some point, we're going to get sick of it, right?
1: Yeah. What I will say is they've been memorable. You go back to last time they played in Arizona, I think it was Jimmy Conrad off the header, and it was Eddie Johnson, uh, Landon Donovan. It was uh, Osvaldo Sanchez swiping mm. at Eddie Johnson. And then you go ahead, I think it was the Alamo Dome in San yeah. Antonio. It was actually a college student who debuts for the uh, U.S. men's national team versus Mexico, that being Jordan Morris. So there are some moments you remember in this history when they aren't the A versus A team. That said... I don't need to see it. I don't, need okay. to, I don't need to buy it.
0: USA versus Mexico then tentatively on the books for April in Arizona. Let's turn our attention here, shall we, to Jesse Marsh, because we now have various reports. The talks between Marsh and Southampton have broken down. Just a few days ago, Marsh was considered the favorite to take the Saints' vacant job and return to a Premier League gig just weeks after being fired by Leeds but discussions broke down over the length of the contract. That was reported by The Athletic. Southampton apparently didn't want to give any assurances beyond the end of this season. Marsh wanted more. Herc, turning down a Premier League job, did Jesse Marsh make the right decision?
1: Yeah, he made the right decision. This was a very good opportunity for Jesse Marsh if they would have given him, let's say, an 18-month contract. The six months here... And in a year in the mm-hmm. championship. Because most likely, Southampton may get relegated. That's the most likely scenario. They're, they're dead last right now. They may get relegated. Now, it's fine if you take over and they get relegated, knowing that you have a parachute payment that can help you fund the team to come back up, and you have time to mm-hmm. implement a style that they may already have, maybe already suited for, but you, you in general, Jesse Marsh in general, and have them come back to the Premier League. Instead, when they don't offer you that, assurance those guarantees what you're really saying is do I want to take the risk of another stain on my resume Uh, a team that goes down and I'm part of that fracaso I think this is a risk that didn't make sense for Jesse Marsh and I don't know why Southampton didn't roll the dice with Jesse Marsh here it's not like there are going to be a lot of interested parties saying yeah this is a sinking ship and I'm willing to go down with it
0: So if he thinks he's going to get another Premier League job offer, then I think this is definitely the right decision. I don't know about you, Herc, I'm not really convinced that Jesse Marsh is going to get another Premier League job offer. This to me was a very convenient situation. He had just been sacked. Southampton needed a manager in kind of a desperate moment quickly And he's right around the corner and plays and manages a very similar style to what Southampton does, not just in terms of their last manager, but as a club, what they like to do. This was a really good fit to get, walk into a Premier League job after a Premier League failure. I think we're calling Leeds a failure, at least not a success. And then what happened at RB Leipzig, which we're definitely not calling a success, right? Right. So back-to-back failures, and now he's getting another Premier League opportunity, Herc, I don't think that those are gonna come very often or at all anymore for Jesse Marsh. And what I'm thinking here is, from Jesse Marsh's perspective, now he's leaving it to circumstance. Will another job come around? What about the idea of taking Destiny Herc as a manager into your own hands and saying, it's Southampton, sure, but we're only what? Four points from safety, 16 games left, I can pull him up. I'm going to take my manager, my career destiny, into my own hands. Shouldn't Jesse Marsh have done that?
1: Let me ask you a question. You, mm-hmm. say, you say he may not get another chance. You're, mm-hmm. you're undecided right now if he'd get another chance in the Premier League, right? Just,
0: I don't believe he will. I don't believe no, 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 he will. But
1: you're more on the fence of, I'm undecided. Like I, it, It'll be hard, right? What if he takes it for these six months and they get relegated? What if he can't pull him up? Will he get that chance? No, you're more on the side of, no, this is another stain
0: on his resume. Look, if he keeps Southampton up, he becomes a Premier League manager. But if he does. He answers the question. But, but that's not he how do- her is that how professionals think? Is that how great people in their whatever yes. respective fields yes. you
1: don't just jump at you don't Worst just jump scenario. naively. You don't just jump naively into a situation. This is why Bielsa didn't take Everton over. He's never taken a team over in midway. You want to assure yourself the best possible scenario so you can implement your style and right the ship. You don't want to go just go down with the burning ship. You just don't want to go down and say, hey, I got a job. I couldn't do it because you may never get another job. You have to be smart.
0: All right, we're focusing on another Premier League job here for Jesse Marsh. But what about the elephant in the room, Herc? The U.S. men's national team head job. Where does this decision Leave Jesse Marsh and his candidacy to take over the United States ahead of the 2026 World Cup.
1: Seb the same place he was in a week ago. Standby. And why? It's not because Jesse Marsh you're not sure of him. It's just mm-hmm. because you don't know about his capability, the capacity that he has to lead the US men's national team, or if he even wants it, it's because there's no sporting director, there's no GM, there's nobody making a decision here. So you're right back where you started. Is he a candidate? Yeah, he's a candidate. Has that boat sailed for him with the U.S. Men's National Team? No. Why? Is it on Jesse Marsh? No! Because nobody's making a decision right now. He's exactly where he was a week ago.
0: So I think the Southampton decision informs us a little bit, at least on what Jesse Marsh thinks of the U.S. Men's National Team job. He's been on this show and other outlets before and has made it clear that at some point in his career, he would like to take the U.S. job, right? But I think what he's seeing now, if he's sitting back and looking at this, is it's the golden generation, it's a home World Cup, and that's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity may well be worth turning down a Premier League job like Southampton, and maybe, Herc, may even be worth never managing in the Premier League. I think Jesse Marsh, by, by, by not taking the Southampton job, is making it very clear what he does want. Okay. And that's the U.S. job. He is waiting, as you say, for sporting director. And unfortunately for Jesse Marsh, he's waiting in, in a very specific way. The sporting director that lands has to like the style that Jesse Marsh plays. Because sure. Jesse Marsh is an idealist. He is not, he's not a guy who's going to fit everybody's okay. system. So so his candidacy, more than I think almost anybody else, depends on the sporting director. Put your finger
1: down first. Put your finger down, all right? Don't start pointing at me. Uh, if Jesse Marsh, as you claim, mm-hmm. is holding out for the U.S. men's national team. Why is the reason per the reports that he didn't take the Southampton job the length of the contract? Why didn't he just say, no, I'm holding out for the U.S. men's national team job? Like, if it's so attractive, the golden generation Mm -hmm. on home soil, why is the reason he's not with Southampton, the U.S. men's national team, and why are we hearing that it's the length of the contract?
0: I think it could be both. I don't think it has to be black or white. It has to be one or the other. I think you're, you're, you're not looking at the Southampton job in a vacuum. You're looking at the Southampton job and saying, if I take this, what is it going to cost me? And I think Jesse Marsh realizes that whether he had had success or been a failure at Southampton, it would have cost him a shot, just a shot at the U.S. job for 2026. Yeah, you're saying
1: it's not in a vacuum, Seb, and I'll turn it around. You said right here, why don't you take your, your managerial destiny into your own hands If he's that interested in it, Mm -hmm. why are you having talks with Southampton?
0: Because he's a manager. It's a Premier League team (laughs) with an opening that says they want you. And he doesn't know who the sporting director is going to be. The U.S. job is not a guarantee, Herc. It's not a guarantee. Yeah. 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 All right. Speaking about potential candidates for the United States, here's a name for you. Thierry Henry, the footballing legend turned manager, turned assistant, turned TV pundit, was asked about the U.S. job over on CBS. Quote, Do I know the American players? Yeah, I know the players. Do I know the league? Yeah, I know the league. It's a different ballgame now to talk about it like that. But would I want to be a manager at any level? Yes. Of course that's something I would want to do. But to go back to the U.S. national team and the U.S. in general, what's the plan? What's the philosophy? What do you want to be? Herc, Thierry Henry, should he be a candidate for the U.S. job?
1: Now, when we talk Thierry Henry, are people taking into the account his resume as a footballer, which is very good? Uh, let you'd me be ask you. Hard
0: pressed. Let Hold me on. ask you. Let, let, would before, you take it into you account ask me
1: before you ask me? Just let me finish really quick. How okay? important is it? Let me finish really quick. Are you taking into account his resume as a player, which is very good, or how well spoken he is in front of the camera as a commentator, which he is also very good at? He's a very good commentator. Or maybe as an owner for Como and Serie A, Bay. he could be a very good owner. Maybe there. Or are we taking into account his standalone? managerial resume. Mm. What he did with Monaco, that abysmal show with Monaco, what he did with Montreal, that abysmal show with Montreal where, by the way, they were eliminated in the CONCACAF Champions League versus Olympia. Olympia. And then he decides to leave the team for family reasons. He wanted to be close to his family. Only for in that same week, Bournemouth to come about and talks between him and Bournemouth fall off, and then he ends up being the Belgian assistant coach, once again. As a standalone managerial resume, mm-hmm. you wouldn't open the door for him. He wouldn't be a candidate be- because he's Thierry Henry okay. and because he was a very good player, a great player, and he's a very good commentator, maybe even a great commentator. All of a sudden, oh, wait a second. Thierry Henry? Oh, that sounds interesting. But if you remove the name Thierry mm-hmm. Henry and just put his resume, standalone, Equis, right there, yeah. nobody's giving him a shot.
0: A wise man once said, we don't operate in a vacuum. So let's put the name back up there. It is Thierry Henry. How much is that name worth, huh? How much is that specifically her, that playing resume worth? Think about it from your days as as, as a player perspective. A great former player walks in as a manager. What's that worth? Because whatever else you want to say about his resume, the playing resume, that's gotta carry some weight.
1: Yeah, sure it carries weight as a player and you respect them as a player. But how many times have we seen being a great player doesn't translate into being okay. a good manager on the world level? Okay? Now, he may say he knows the league. He may say he knows the player pool. He may say all these things, which are great. What have you done as a manager to warrant this? Okay? That is the only question you need to ask. That is the only thing that matters. Standalone managerial resume? I don't think it gets him in the door if he's not Thierry Henry. That's why I would say this is something you have to walk away from.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he checks some boxes, right? The name, the connections to the game. He's a relative outsider, which we talk about the incestuous nature of U.S. soccer. He would definitely be a departure from that. But he's just too green, too inexperienced. Four wins out of 20 with Monaco, nine wins out of 29 in Montreal. Can there's, I, there's, there's, not a, there's not a record of success. There's not hardly a record there. So, there's too not. green, but maybe somewhere down the road. I'd like to see him in MLS for what it's worth. I he, would like to see him back. Again, in yeah. Italy in Montreal,
1: I, honestly, I'd like to see him in a, in a good market. I think, you know, because let me tell you where Thierry Henry would absolutely knock it out mm, the park. Mm. If Thierry Henry was the U.S. men's national team, Manager, regardless of what the record would be, good or mm-hmm. bad, where he would knock it out the park would be in recruitment,
0: dual yes. nationals. Balligan, let's yes. go. Yes, he knows all about Fuller and Balligan, huh? Yes, yes. sure he's seen and, him over there. In and that—that's
1: where he would knock it out the yeah. park. But that's the only thing I could probably guarantee he would knock it out the yeah. park because I don't. As a manager, I don't know. And I don't think that gets you in the door. He can
0: bring you balligan. Might be worth uh, doing it just for that alone. Let's run it back. Josh Sargent with his 11th goal of the season for Norwich in the championship. It came in a 3-1 win over Hull City on Tuesday, Herc. A very good goal. Well worked. The little combination play. The reception. The way he sets it up, that's the goal itself right there. It makes it look easy. Beautiful from Josh Sargent. Norwich ninth. Two points back of the promotion playoff spots in the championship. Remember, top two automatically into the Premier League, three, four, five, and six into the playoffs. Champions League, Canada's Alfonso Davies with the game-winning assist for Bayern Munich in their 1-0 victory over PSG, picking out Kingsley Coman in the 53rd minute, Herc.
1: Uh, yeah, I he could give that assist to Donnarumma. That definitely should have been a very save. <laughs> Kayler would have saved it, that's there all I'm saying. Is. I'm not saying, I'm just
0: saying. Davies was a, a halftime sub in this one for Joao Cancelo, so a quick impact. I think, I think actually, Alfonso was bitter that he wasn't in your top five CONCACAF attackers, hurt, but he wasn't bitter about this. Finally, getting Lionel Messi's jersey in a jersey swap. Apparently, not the first time he tried this.
1: Yeah, he tried it in the A2 win, that historic win by uh, Bayern Munich versus... Uh... Uh, Barcelona during the pandemic. Um, it didn't go over so well. Leo didn't want to trade jerseys at the time. So guess what? That's a
0: historic jersey, by the way. That, that m- messy jersey from the eight 2 Alfonso was smart. That's a collector's item.
1: Well, he didn't get it. But he got this one now.
0: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
2: Must be 21-plus plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: All right, what about this? Julián Araujo. It looks like a done deal at long last. After all that speculation and a move that Barcelona told us was 18 seconds. After the deadline, Julián Araujo is now with Barcelona. He'll be training with the B team, apparently won't be registered with the A team uh, until the summer LA Galaxy gonna get 4 million euros for their part of the deal. Let's start here first. Uh, First, Herc. Is Julián Araujo gonna be a first team player at Barcelona? What kind of impact do you think he has eventually, eventually, not in the first few months at the Catalan club?
1: Yeah, based off just player pool in general, the style of play, I think it's gonna cost him at first. But I love everything about this kid's work ethic, the way he, he can set himself to be successful. But those are some deep waters. That said, you look at Barcelona's right-back depth chart, if you will. I mean, Sergi Roberto, 31 years of age, not quite frankly, has been in the good graces of Xavi as of late, hasn't played much. Ronald Araujo, actually a center back, has been playing that right-back position. Busquets every once in a while, if he's there... He's going to get some opportunities, and all you need to do is be on the field, Barcelona to do well, which they have been doing lately, Xavi to see something in you, and Rafa Márquez to really, really fine-tune you. Mm -hmm. This is where I think it's going to be instrumental, and actually to his advantage that he's not being thrown in those deep waters at first. So the fact that he's going to go to Barcelona B, and he's going to have three, four months of actual time to work and develop before he gets into that first-team waters and actually plays, because he may go to the training sessions, he may be there and whatnot, but to actually play, I think that's to his benefit. So if you're asking me if he will have a successful Barcelona career, I don't know. But Mm. if I'm betting on it, I bet it's more he gets opportunities than him right now, never sees the light of day.
0: Okay. So we were talking about this in the production meeting. In terms of the MLS to major big-time blockbuster European club moves, there's a spectrum, right? Yeah. Matt Miazga, let's say, to Alfonso Davies. Matt right. Miazga went straight to Chelsea. He played two Premier League games for Chelsea, and he made five loan moves. Alfonso Davies went to Bayern Munich, and even though, like Julian Araujo, Alfonso Davies started on the second team. He started at Bayern 2. He was pretty instantly a starter. He won a Champions League. Now, five years later, and look at exactly what he is. So, so that's the spectrum upon which Julian Araujo would land. But there's one player in particular, Herc, that I think is a more apt comparison. Serginho Dest. Serginho Dest mm. played 72, 72 games across all competitions at Barcelona in the same position. Do you think Julián Arajo will play more or less games than Serginho Dest at Barcelona when it's all said and done? Sergino, Keep in mind, he's got a, a three year deal through 2026. Yeah, Serginho
1: Dest also, by the way, uh, was over 20 million sale. And Ronald Koeman specifically, who recruited him, tried to recruit him for the for the uh, Dutch national team, specifically brought him to Barcelona. So there's a big difference there. They, they, they wanted to make that work. Juliano Araujo is $4 million. That's a drop in the hat for some of these teams. William Araujo is 21 years old and has done well at the Major League Soccer level, but we're talking about Barcelona, a historic team, that the right backs are almost playmakers. Does he fit that bill?
0: I don't know. I mean, you just said, Sergio Roberto, today they started uh, Ronald Araujo, center back at right back.
1: Yeah, and they've started Busquets as well. Um, what are the differences? Why do you start a Busquets there? Because he's very good with the ball, because it's instrumental in the build up. This isn't something that Julián Araujo necessarily does very well. Julián Araujo is one of these players that will surprise you in the way he defends and how he gets into the attack, but nobody's going to sit here and say, say he's refined with the ball at his feet, that he's that type of playmaker. He can certainly turn into something special, but mm-hmm. uh, when you're trying to compare the two, I think it's, it's a weird comparison. But if you're saying who's going to play more, yep. that's an interesting one for me because if you cap it off right now, it could end up being Julian Araujo if he stays there longer, but guess who's coming back? And guess who could be in that competition with Julian Araujo? Oh,
0: no way, no way. Look at that. A uh, Mexican and American battling out for the right-back spot at Barcelona. How sweet would that be? Juliana Araujos, teammate on L3, El, El Memo Choa. Of course, uh, with Salernitana in Italy after the move from Club America, Memo was benched for the club's game on Monday, a 1-0 loss to Hellas Verona. That after shipping 17 goals in his first six games in Syria. Davide Nicola, the manager who has since been sacked, said this about Memo. Quote, we signed Memo to give us a hand until Sepe returns. It's a particular role and there are hierarchies. Seppi has been the starter for a reason. We have two excellent goalies. If Juventus can rotate their goalies, I don't know why we can't do it. Herc, what do you think? Was Memo's move to Salernitana and Serie A a mistake?
1: I believe it was a mistake. I also believe it was done out of spite. Now, when I say out of spite, at who? At Santiago Baños in Club America because before the World Cup happened, he was actually already pacted to sign with Club America. They had a dollar amount, they had the length, everything was done plays the World Cup, has himself a very good World Cup, which we're accustomed to seeing every four years out of Memo Ochoa, and guess what? When he comes back, what does Santiago Baños, the club president of America do? Oh, let me pull that back. Let's alternate the time here. So what does Memo Ochoa do? Wait a second, we had an agreement. No? Okay, I'm leaving. Where are you gonna go, Major League Soccer? Wherever, and he leaves. He takes a chance, because Memo Ochoa can take a chance. Memo Ochoa has done everything there is to do, concaf-wise. Club America, for goalkeeper of his stature, and he's gone. But I think he makes this in the heat of the moment, and he bets on himself, and now I think he's in a situation where he's maybe thinking
0: twice of it. Mm. Look, if he's not playing from here on out, it's a problem. Uh, Then it's a mistake. But it certainly feels like, especially the interview that we saw, what, last week come out, that... The parting of ways with America did not go as Memo thought it would. It felt like America was not really all on board with him. And then you think, all right, he's got a European passport. Salernitana's really the best option? Like, what are we finding out about Memo here? Salernitana as a backup was his best option, was the only option for this great, iconic Mexican World Cup goalie? Is he really not that good, Herc?
1: Boy, he's good, but he's also not in his prime. And he's also not an attractive option when you look at what you want in your goal long-term. And most of these teams don't look for quick fixes, don't look for that band-aid. And that's the situation he's in. He comes in as a band-aid. He comes in as an insurance policy. That's not where you want to be in the long-term. And that's the thing. These teams aren't seeing Memo Ochoa as a possibility in the long-term because of his age, because of the track record, because it's not the national team, it's not a World Cup, it's a club situation, et cetera, et cetera.
0: All right, uh, yes, yeah, Salernitana right now 16th in Syria, four points from the drop. The good thing is, if it's a mistake, Herc, it's short lived because the contract right. ends in the summer. So uh, Memocho could certainly try to get some other options. They play Lazio on Sunday. Let's see if he's still uh, on the bench come the weekend. They have a new manager, Paolo Souza, now in charge of Salernitana there in Syria.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why?
0: The midweek Liga MX highlights will start with Rayados and Querétaro 25 minutes in Rogelio Funes Mori gonna make it one nothing for Monterrey. Funes Mori!
1: Funes Funes Mori more like it. Uh, This is what he does for Monterrey. We we know for Monterrey, he's a goal scorer. He's the goal scorer, the historic Mm -hmm. goal scorer.
0: Conchito Gonzalez with the assist there. He'd get on the score sheet here. 10 minutes later, it's 2-0, rayados.
1: Yeah, we're not talking enough about Ponchito Gonzalez. Uh, Five goals in the season uh, for Ponchito Gonzalez, who continues his very good run last season. Diego Coca should have this player in his plans.
0: Ooh, okay, call-up talks for Ponchito, I like it. America, San Luis, this one on Tuesday night. 10 minutes in, here come Las Aguilas. Henry Martin, 1-0. Yeah,
1: very well-worked transition. Cabecita to Henry, Henry with the left-footed finish, across the face
0: of goal, very good finish. That's his first of the night. America's lead would be short-lived, 34th minute. San Luis, ball into the box, and it's 1-1. Yeah, America has
1: got some real problems in that center back position. Reyes has not been the answer. Nestor Araujo, Caceres, they can't find a pairing that works. Gets bodied, it's 1-1.
0: First half stoppage time. Miguel Ayun, Diego Valdez, 2-1 America.
1: Miguel Ayun, 187 years old and still dropping dimes. That he can do. It's a very good goal from Diego Valdez, who has been coming to life lately.
0: Still second half, 2-1 America. Long ball, gonna fall to Henry Martin, and he's gonna make it two, a brace.
1: Ninth goal, Sebi. In seven games this season, 10 goals last season, scored against Real Madrid, scored against Man City, and a World Cup goal. What a ride for him.
0: 3-1 the final there for America. Chivas and Cholos. Of course, we got the uh, horn tradition now for Chivas. 26th minute. No, Federico no. Lertora. How does Chivas not clear this? No, Herc?
1: Midani Rios. It's okay if you're not scoring, but don't help the opponent score.
0: Chivas on the comeback trail. 36-minute Herc. Was it a penalty?
1: You know what? Slow mo. When you do still pictures, this looks like a penalty. It wasn't for me though.
0: I mean, the studs are pretty far up the shin
1: there. Herc. He clears the ball. It's a follow through.
0: Otro Guzman from the penalty spot makes it 1-1 and then late in the game. No doubt about this. What is the Cholos defender thinking here? I
1: I think he slips. I want to say he slips, but I have no idea. And then Cisneros, Cisneros. No, it's not Ronald Cisneros. It's Victor Guzman. Victor Guzman will take it. Locks up the win for Chivas. First at home this season.
0: Chivas there with the win up to fifth in the table trying to knock down the door on that top four rayados tigres america and pachuca right now getting the bye
2: Yes, that cross in comes off morgan swaps on the strap and it's 1-0 6 minutes in
1: She has no second of the night.
0: USA, Canada, she believes cup opener for the Americans. Alex Morgan and company. Looking to get things started on the right foot. Morgan celebrating 200 caps with the national team. She actually hit that milestone earlier this year. As for the game itself, well, we know this rivalry is a good one. Canada eliminating the U.S. at the last Olympics in the semifinals, but the teams have been very much in concert this week. We know the Canadian women's team having a pay dispute with their federation, not dissimilar from what the American women have been through lots of solidarity before the game, lots of American chances early in the game. Ashley Sanchez hurt with a shot tipped over the bar by the Canadian goalie.
1: Yeah, goalie got screened, very good save. Sanchez a little Blazer of a shot, and then, uh, what are we doing here?
0: Kalen oh. Sheridan with one big stop, but couldn't make the stop here. Pew, pew, pew! Yeah, Lasers from the boots of Mallory Swanson. I do not know how much of this
1: Alex Morgan knew about, but it's a good little layoff, and what a strike. A little half-volley for the goal.
0: US up, one nothing. Just after the half-hour mark, another chance for the Americans. Not gonna get much easier than that. 2 nothing. It's Swanson again. First half stoppage time. Alyssa Nair, the diving stave. Big stop to keep it at 2-0, denying Janine Becky. Yeah,
1: very difficult when you haven't been involved too much. It's a very good save. Keeps your team 2-0
0: up. Second half. Ashley Chance. Hatch with a chance, and no. Saved again. Sheridan denies. Good chance for the American striker, but Hatch can't put it in for number three in the U.S. Holds on to a 2-0 victory over their Canadian rivals. Herc, what'd you make of the U.S. performance?
1: So let's take the performance of the grain of salt because it was the number one team in the world according mm-hmm. to the rankings versus number six team in the world, but they looked worlds apart, and that's a reality here. Why? I, I think the Canadian women's national team is, is dealing with a lot more than just the, women's national, the U.S. women's national team uh, to date, and it looked like that was weighing heavy on them. Mm-hmm. They looked slow. They looked reactionary. They looked second best the whole night. That said, um, I wasn't quite thrilled with what I saw from the women's, U.S. Women's National Team. The mm. scoreline was, was good. You always want to win. Yeah. You want to capitalize on mistakes. You want to provoke the opponent to making mistakes. But when you start looking at the way they played compared to the teams they will play against, mm. it's a team that sorely relies on their how vertical they can be and the physical traits, and in the final third, when the spaces close down, the ideas close down as well. So I was left struggling to really come up with with a lot of positives to say given the circumstances about the women's national team.
0: So I've criticized this U.S. team under Vladko Anonofsky a lot for the lack of finishing, and even sometimes beyond that hurt yeah. for the lack of creating chances. I, I felt like we really saw that throughout last year at times Definitely in the high-level international friendlies. And then even a little bit early this year against New Zealand. And for me, that was very worrisome. Remember, I I gave him something like a a C-plus for those games against New Zealand. I thought this, considering that the opposition is a major step up, right? Canada are the reigning Olympic champions. The fact that the U.S., and I'll acknowledge what you say is true, the Canadian team is dealing with off-the-field issues, but let's acknowledge that this U.S. team has won world titles dealing with very significant off-the-field Not issues.
1: Not a lot of these players, Seb. You keep mentioning that, and that that to me is, hey, you're mentioning the crest, which is great, mm-hmm. but look at the starting 11. How many of those players were part of those teams? This is a different team now, and when you look at the way they play that 4-3-3, I'm looking at Trinity Rodman in, in comparison to where she's at in that Trident up top with Swanson and... and uh, And Alex Morgan, and I'm thinking to myself, is she playing as a winger? Is she playing as a wing back? There seems to be the cohesion is not where it needs to be in the midfield. Uh, It's still very slow, not in transition. Okay, but we're we're
0: judging them on tonight. I mean, this could have been 3 or 4 nothing at the end of the first half. Well, I'm judging them on tonight. And that's without Rose Lavelle in your starting lineup. You talk about a midfield, Ashley Sanchez steps in. I mean, they were all over this Canadian team. You saw the good saves from Sheridan. I'll, 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 I'll allow, that wasn't the best finishing, Trinity Rodman had some chances, uh, Alex Morgan had some chances, and Alex Morgan needs to be on fire for this team to win the World Cup, she was rusty tonight, but I'm not, I'm not worried about that, well, I think you have to acknowledge that this team played the Olympic champions and played them off the park, Herc. Yeah. That has to be good, especially when you got somebody like nobody Sanchez saying, nobody's stepping not acknowledging for Rose bell
1: Nobody doesn't acknowledge that. I acknowledge that they were better hmm. than Canada. Like I said in the opening statement, one versus six, but they look worlds apart. So I'm taking that with a grain of salt. They provoked Canada into mistakes. But in the buildup, everything Vlaco—we've heard of Vlaco—and they said they We're going to do Vlaco. Says he was going to uh, initiate with this program. That's still been lacking. The creation, the actual buildup play. You don't
0: think they created chances tonight early on? You don't, those chances weren't good enough for you? I mean, you don't. How did they create the chances?
1: Did they create in buildup or they provoked the opponent? A lot of it was
0: press, but you get credit All for the chances you create from press. Yes,
1: uh, I'm not saying you don't get credit for that, but you're telling me, I assume that what Vlatko said the message was going to be with this women's national team, he's delivered. That's what you're saying?
0: No, you got to deliver titles and trophies.
1: Well, and you also, just in comparison to the rest of the world, England,
0: Germany, A comfortable 2-0 defeat of the reigning Olympic champions is a significant result, Hurt. It also...
1: Nobody says it's not.
0: It also, by the way... Gets me my parlay that I told you about on Monday night. What did I tell you? I said, take Brazil against Japan. Take the U.S. against Canada. Plus 360 was the payout on that. So hope you all listen to your boy Seb. Here's a look at the She Believes Cup standings. As I mentioned, Brazil beat Japan in their game before the U.S. and Canada. So right now it's U.S. and Brazil with three points. Up next on Sunday, U.S. against Japan and Brazil against Canada. Big news out of the NWSL Liga MX Femenil world. Angel City Herc has announced a friendly against Club America for March 8th at BMO Stadium there. The home of LAFC and Angel City. Pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Club America is a very good team. Angel City can not be a very good team. So yeah. it, it's going to be a good game.
0: That's not the only one. Uh, North Carolina Courage and Rayadas have also announced a home and home. So the NWSL-Liga-Meki's feminine rivalry continues to
2: grow. Paredes crosses, oh, and what a finish that is. Baku to round up a super team move. Paredes here, fans the space, and how's this for a cross? And Baku there to seize on it.
1: First ever goal in
0: the Bundesliga. Our next guest here on Football America's Kevin Paredes of Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. They got a huge game coming up this Saturday against Leipzig at home, which you can of course watch here on ESPN Plus. Kevin, welcome back to the show. What's the uh, Volkswagen Arena going to be like on Saturday? Because it's a huge game for you guys, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a big game, so it's going to be packed. I'm um, looking forward for the game, and uh, I think we're ready for it. I will right, we'll talk about the
0: team, where you guys are at in the season a little bit later on in the interview. But I want to start with life in Germany because you've been there almost 12 months now, right? A little bit over a year. Are you starting to settle in, and what's that process been like for you?
3: Yeah, I feel like I'm settled in now. Uh, I've been around a great group of guys that you know has helped me throughout this process, and you know I just enjoyed to be here with the guys every day. And uh, yeah, life here in Wolfsburg has been it's been great. Can finish this sentence
0: for me? Being an American in the Bundesliga is
3: crazy. Yeah, crazy. Why? Man, you just never expect, uh, like myself. Uh, I mean, where where I'm from uh, in Virginia and stuff you never expect a, a kid to go that far in life I and mean, at, at so young so uh, I just find it myself great crazy because you know I'm, I'm grateful to be in the position I am like I said there's not many kids my age from the states that I made the jump over so yeah I, I just feel like it's crazy all right let's go
0: through some uh, recent highlights of yours that we picked out here amongst our production team the first is your first Bundesliga goal all right what do you remember from this moment because I remember like the first goal I scored it at, at, at travel level still that was 30 some years ago so I'm sure this is this is burned into your memory
3: yeah it was for me it was a crazy surreal moment uh, I couldn't celebrate much because you know we were down I was trying to help my team come back uh, as soon as possible but you know, I, I, I replay this moment every day, and it's just, it's just a crazy to, to say that I scored my first boomerang single so goal. Caught it pretty sweet with that left foot, huh? <laughs> yeah, it just came towards my way, and I just, uh, the worst could happen is I missed, so I just tried it, and yeah, I went in. It was a while coming, right? So, you know, what did it feel like in that moment?
0: I, I know you mentioned, you know, in the game, you guys are down to nothing. It cuts the lead in half. You're focused on the three points. But maybe as you look at it now, like, what did that goal mean for Kevin Paredes in his, in his journey through Europe?
3: Yeah, like, uh, I always, me and my family, my agent, we always say, like, once I get my first goal, that's when, you know, I start to pick up momentum, start to pick on confidence. I feel like it was the same at D.C. And, and uh, I'm trying to, you know, replicate that here in, in, in the Bundesliga, Wolfsburg, to help them as much as I can, uh, provide any any spark or any tackles, anything for the club um, that is needed from me. And yeah, like I said, getting that first goal is a big confidence booster, and uh, I want more, and I'm going to get more. I know it.
0: Yeah, it's not just goals though; it's assists. I think we got your first Bundesliga assist as well. That came. Uh, back in late January against Freiburg walk us through this one because this, this is your strength right getting out on the wing and picking guys out.
3: Yeah uh, the ball came towards my way like you see here and uh, I saw a couple guys in the in the box I saw really back trailing in my was also trailing in and. And it's, it feels great to, you know, provide an assist for my teammate because I remember my very first uh, cross in the Bundesliga was the one that went probably over the stadium. So it was good to have this one <laughs> stay in the box and we got, got got to someone's head and uh, we got the goal off. So it just felt really great.
0: Oh man, what did that feel like when that first cross went out of the stadium?
3: Yeah, I've, yeah it was it was an embarrassing moment because. I was so ready to make my debut for the club. I was so ready to get on the pitch. I'm, I said to myself, I'm going to do something. Uh, well, I did something. I did put the ball over <laughs> the stadium. I did do that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just great to, to finally make an assist for, for the club. And you know, the top tackle.
0: Kevin, you know, a lot of guys that make the jump from MLS to Europe will talk about the difference in intensity and they say a lot of that comes down to having promotion relegation. I wonder what you make of that difference between MLS and the European leagues and kind of how it impacts the, the style of play and maybe the
3: pressure around the play as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, here it's a fight because you know you need the three points and if you don't get the three points, you start dropping and dropping and dropping and I feel like that that's what motivates players a lot, um, having that you know that push that to not get relegated really and to stay up. You know in the MLS, you know you don't have that, but there is a push to play for playoffs and that's a big push. But you know for next season that you're going to play in the exact same league as everyone else. But here you don't know, you don't know if you're going to stay in the first division or you're going to drop down to second division. So I feel like that's really what motivates players. That really gives the push to players to fight for more, fight for wins, and you know, I think that's why it makes it so great to come out here and play can't let you
0: go without talking about
3: the U.S.
0: Of course, you've uh, played a lot with the youth national teams. This could be a pretty big year. We got U-20 World Cup. We got Olympic preparations. Of course, it's part of the build-up to 2026. What's on Kevin Paredes' radar?
3: You know, always to reach for the top and uh, to play, but right now my focus is just this weekend and I continue to help uh, uh, my team win and uh, to score and all of this. You know, I, I know that's going to come with uh, good performances and. You know, if I continue to play like I'm playing and do more, I know uh, that will be in those uh, in those competitions with the U.S. Hopefully.
0: I mentioned you're 19, so you're eligible for this under 20 World Cup. I know you've looked at the rest of that under 20 pool. You guys are deep and talented. What do you think you guys could do in that tournament
3: later this year? yeah it's, it's, a, it's a great group uh, I have to say being with them uh, two times already it's a great group great coaching staff and uh, you know all, you can tell all the players are hungry all the players want to you know go into this World Cup not just playing this World Cup they want to win this World Cup you can tell I could tell from the players uh, mentality I can t- tell from the coaches mentality they were great and uh, yeah we want to play and we want to win that's what we want to do what about a senior debut? What would that mean, and how close do you feel to it? Yeah, you know, I've been pushing as hard as I can to, you know, hopefully be with the men's national team at some point. Uh, that would, for me, would mean a lot, but uh, like I said, I need to focus on, you know, you know, playing my game over here. And like I said, if I continue to play well, then the consequence is maybe I'll play with the national team at one point. But, you know, just take it day by day, game by game, and hopefully it comes at some point.
0: All right, there he is, Kevin Paredes of Wolfsburg. Good luck this weekend against Leipzig. We'll see you right here on ESPN+.
3: Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Kevin Paredes, ex of DC United, now with Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. And there you see it, his growing role with Wolfsburg right now, just outside those European positions. But hoping to get into the top six, maybe even the top four in the Bundesliga and grab one of those Champions League spots. Of course, the Bundesliga available for you on ESPN+. Plus. Here's a look at the weekend schedule. Augsburg-Hoffenheim kicking things off on Friday. Bayern Munich, Alfonso Davies there in action early on Saturday, as is Leipzig. Borussia Dortmund with Gio Reina taking on Hertha Berlin. That one. On Sunday morning, catch Jordan P. and Union Berlin also on Sunday morning as well. First time to check the mentions as we open up the show to the good folks from social media. Antonio asks, dripping or tripping on the new Sounders Atlanta FC and overall? New kits released yesterday. Sounders, in my opinion, is dripping. Is the Sounders Bruce Lee kit the shoe in? For the best new uni, all right, Herc. Uh, it has been MLS kit drop week, so what are you liking the most? Who's getting your dripping?
1: Yeah, it's the Seattle Sounders Bruce Lee kit, and I, I I'm bummed that I left it at home on my way out. I didn't bring it because this photo, the picture doesn't do it justice. This thing is dripping, dripping, dripping. Uh, yes, Bruce Lee is not from Seattle. He wasn't born in Seattle. He only lived there for five years, but he and his son, Jason Lee, are buried in Seattle. Uh, Did have monumentous ties to Seattle. It's very cool what they do. Jimi Hendrix, Bruce Lee, we'll see who's next. But this jersey, did you get it, Seb? They send you one? Because it is straight, ah, look at how beautiful that is. Straight fire.
0: 20 some teams to choose from and Hercules Gomez of Sounders TV picks the Seattle Sounders but let it be shown for the record the Sounders sent me a kit i'm the one with the kit and not hurt look at that they told me they didn't have kit sizes i asked look at my son. that How look did at you that. get one i'm a sounders front office favorite it would seem All right, I'm going with the Philadelphia Union. Now I know what everybody's saying. I know, the clouds (laughs) give off a little bit of the Simpsons vibes, but I think I kind of like that. Do Uh, here's, Here's what I really like about it. It's very clean. The other thing that I love, and Philly wasn't the only team that did this. A few others did as well. They didn't go with the full crest. They did something different. I love that snake. I love that snake right there on the shirt. So it's clean. There's a lot of good ones out there. Portland did something with the plaid that I thought was tight. Nashville has an all-black that's pretty pretty fire.
1: They do. There's some very good jerseys. Can I just say, this is a very, very nice jersey, Mm -hmm. but in the most Philly way this year, it just came up second best.
0: Oh. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. The show will be back, Kirk, on Monday. Hani Mukhtar, the reigning MVP of MLS, will be our interview. I, however, Herc, will not be here. Your you wildest suspended. dreams You are suspended. Come I suspend you. I have I been suspended. I want to see you for a month,
1: Seb. That said, Seb, congratulations to you and your lovely bride. Thank Next you. Next time Thank we you. see you, there's a little... Do we have a name yet? A little we sub- do not have a name yet. We do not oh, have a name no. yet. We're still
0: selling naming rights because I hear children are expensive. My wife, my uh, beautiful wife, Helio, Fulgencio. is a pregnant name. and uh, she's due on Monday. So this is going to be my last show for a month, but I will be watching every single episode, so don't do anything crazy without me. Don't have too much fun with Mao, huh? Let's go, Seb. There he is, Hercules Gomez. For all our awesome production team here at Football Americas, thanks for watching, and they will see you on Monday.